This is The Week Ahead, brought to you by Advisorpedia and powered by Tematica Research. I'm Chris Versace, Tematica's Chief Investment Officer, and joining me, as usual, is Tematica's Chief Macro Strategist, Lenore Hawkins. Lenore, I got to tell you, crazy week. Oof. Last week, crazy. Yes. What, what do you think was the main driver of the market? And I, I say that full well, A, knowing the answer, but also knowing that there wasn't a lot, of, a lot of big economic data. There were a couple of data points that we had to really focus in on. We had a lot of stuff happening in Washington, but, but when you had to strip it all down, what was the key driver last week? So probably not the fact that the Kong versus Gorilla movie is coming out. That's probably not it. That's not what you were thinking I was going to say. Real, real, real quick, real quick, just so we, we, we can all be set up here. I'm going Team Kong. Team um, Kong. I'm Team Kong with a slight possible, a little bit. I mean, I'm, I'm empathetic with, with Team Godzilla, but I'm Team Kong. I'm Team Kong. He's the king. So you know who's not the king? Tech. Ben, Ber- ben Bernanke? Tech. Oh. Tech right now. But what is the king is spending. So the okay. big news, which really drove the markets, I'm thinking that was Biden signing the 1.9, and let me get this straight, trillion dollar stimulus, which is really incredible. 1.9 trillion, that is the big, I mean, it, it, it's so big. It's, it's just so big. <laughs> so so let, let's, let, let's frame this properly, right? So coming into last week, there was a lot big, of concern. Big doesn't do it for you. <laughs> well, big. no, no, it does. It does. It does. I, I, I just want to, <laughs> just for the listener, I want to I frame this. So Coming into last week, there was a lot of concern about the recent rise in um, treasuries, particularly the 10-year, yes. a lot of co- underlying concern, as we talked about, um, regarding inflation. Mm-hmm. Does the economy mm-hmm. get overheated as a result mm-hmm. of what you were just mentioning uh, gets passed and these checks start to roll? And, yeah. and, and so that was really, again, like the key driver. You know, and, and I think if we were able to show some charts on here, we would show that as treasuries moved uh, higher and then traded off and then traded up again uh, on Friday of last week, the markets did the exact inverse of that. Well, let's look at that. So Monday, uh, this past Monday, the yield on the 10-year treasury rose to a new 52-week high. It closed just under 1.6%. But at the same time, the 10-year break-even inflation rate, which is a nominal yield less the real yield, that closed lower. And what that really is telling you is that the rising rates really haven't been driven so much by inflation fears. And we're going to get to that to talk about how all this headline talk about inflation, it's a little misguided. We've seen the spread between the 30-year and the 10-year, and that tends to rise with inflation years, has also been declining. But on the other hand, we've seen the spread between the two-year and the five-year continue to rise. And that, what that's really telling you is that there's concerns more about upcoming rate hikes really than about longer-term inflation. And then last Friday, the 10-year yield rose above 1.6% after some consolidation during the week. And it's now hit its highest level in over a year. So, yes, go ahead, Chris. So I was going to say is that, you know, the data, the two data points that we got last week that people were watching just to keep an eye on inflation were the February CPI, the February PPI, and neither one of them really pointed to any inflation, particularly when the Fed looks at core inflation. And I know your issue with that strips out food and energy, which eats like 20, 25% of every consumer's pocket, right? But they're volatile. And let's, since you brought it up, let's talk CPI, the CPI report for Fred, for Fred, for February. So headline came in as expected at 0.4%, but the core, like you said, was just 0.1%, which was below what was expected. They were looking for 0.2%. Now, 
year over year, headline was up to 1.7% from 1.4, but the core actually slowed to 1.3 from 1.4 and is now the softest since June. So if we look at core inflation over time, and remember what you've been hearing and what you've been ever even saying, oh, the markets are getting all stressed out about inflation. Really? Okay, let's talk core inflation. It was at 1.7 in August and September, dropped to 1.6 October through December, dropped to 1.4 in January, and then dropped to 1.3 in February. So it's gone from 1.7, 1.6, 1.4, 1.3, down again and again and again since last August. So we want to talk to me about inflation. Okay, let's also look at the three-month trend annualized going back to August, because that, that'll give you a little bit different. August, 4.6, September, 4.4, October, 2.5, November 1.8, December 1.2, January 1, and February 0.7. Wait a minute. So the headlines are screaming all about inflation. And yet what you see, if you really look at the key numbers is it's been going down, which brings me back to what we were talking about earlier, that really what we're seeing in the markets, all this talk of bonds, it's, it's not really people knowing what's going on with the bonds. It's really concerns about a rate hike. And the Fed, as we've talked about, potentially being asleep at the switch and having to react bigger than when they might have if they reacted earlier. Right. What, 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 what about, though, you know, we've heard of like rising lumber prices. We've heard about how the streaming services are once again hiking their prices. Mm-hmm. I know I know my uh, AT&T TV Now bill is jumping some ungodly percentage uh, next yep. month. Do you think we might see some inflation pick up? Well, I think what what we do need to watch for over the coming months is what is termed base effects. So remember, here we are. So this week is the one-year anniversary of the pandemic. So we had, which is, you know, not exactly a woo-hoo to celebrate. It's more of a, make this end. Uh, (laughs) What when we say the base effects, what that means is that this time last year, everything was crashing. Demand fell apart. People are locked up in their homes um, through an awful lot of the year in the coming months. Plus, there was just sheer panic. So prices tanked. So when you look at prices in the coming months, when we look at them year over year comparison, you're going to see spikes. And that's just because there was a panic a year ago. And we saw this back in 2011. It's nothing to worry about. It's a, a short-term interim thing. So ignore the headlines. This is really not telling you what's going on. Um, what we are seeing though, what we can also say that we're seeing in the markets is a bit of a, a shift in leadership. For example, the NASDAQ 100, which was the high flyer driving everything. Well, now it's only up as of Friday's close, it's up all of this NASDAQ 100 up 0.4%. The NASDAQ composite, which is a little bit more broad-based, still tech, but a bit broader, up 3.4%. If we go even a little bit broader than that, the S&P 500 is up And what's really interesting to me is if you look at the S&P 500, which is market cap weighted versus the S&P 500 equal weighted, the equal weighted is up 10.6%. And what that's telling me is those those high flyers that were doing so great leading us up, all the techie guys, they're not doing as well, but other companies, more the value, they are moving up. The Dow is up better than the S&P, up 7.1. And the New York composite is up 8.2. Meanwhile, the Russell 2000, the small cap guys, those are the guys, and an awful lot of these guys are guys that aren't making a whole lot of money or none. That's up 18.4%. So now, hang on, hold that. Just, real just shift in leadership. 
hold that thought because you, you said something that I, I just want to chat on. You said the Russell small cap heavy index, a lot of folks not making money there, which would seem to suggest that they might have to tap either the equity markets or the debt markets. And with rising rates, that could get incrementally more expensive. And I, I think that's one of the thoughts that people have for tech. But I would argue that we're going to see a bifurcation in tech over the next you know, couple of weeks, which before too long will be in the March quarter earnings season. What I'm thinking is that big established tech companies, your Googles, your Amazons, your They always Apples, have access. Well, not only do they have always access, they're positive cash flow generators. Yeah. They, they don't necessarily, yeah, they don't necessarily need to tap the markets. Right. It's going to be these smaller companies, um, effectively public startups, if you will, mm-hmm. um, you know, that have to tap the market. And I, I wouldn't be surprised as a result that we get through the March quarter earnings season and we see these numbers, these cash flow numbers in particular that you know, the, those bigger, more established tech companies are gonna to continue to perform. They're, they're also the ones candidly that are really being driven by a lot of our thematic tailwinds, right? So I, I, think, I think we're setting ourselves up for that. And my suspicion, just me, just Chris, is thinking that some of these tech companies that are selling off could be attractive entry mm-hmm. points here for some folks. Yeah, well, I think overall, if we take a step back and look at kind of the charts, because that gives us an idea of where things are really going. And like you said, tech's facing two headwinds, one's from rising rates. And the other is the prospect, oddly enough, of reopening the economy. And that means that some of those tech companies that were darlings during the lockdowns, they're now facing some headwinds because they were their growth was astronomical because we all had to switch to their services. I'm not looking at Zoom or anything. <laughs> not to mention anyone. <laughs> yeah, well, Zoom, uh, even Microsoft with Teams, Peloton. Yeah, you know, Peloton's those having a, those type of things. Exactly, and they they did fantastic. They're still up a massive amount over the past year. It's just if we're going to actually be able to step outside of our homes, things are a little bit different versus the way the lockdowns were. What we've seen with the S&P is that- Wait a second, wait a second. On that thought, I got to be honest with you. I'm still going to showroom. You're right. And for those those who don't know what showroom (laughs) is, that is when you go out- I was afraid to ask. (laughs) No, 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 no. You, You go out into the world and you use the little camera on Amazon to scan barcodes what you want and instead of having to lug all this stuff around you just order on Amazon and have it shipped to you oh i think that, and i think one of the things that we've really not been taking into consideration because right now um that brings up employment we've recouped roughly 53 percent of the jobs that were lost mm-hmm. um in february 2020 employment was at 152.5 million Bottoms out it last April at 132.2 million. So that's a loss of just over 20 million jobs. As of this February, 2021, we were at 143 million. So that means we're still 9.5 million jobs below where we were a year ago. That puts it about 53% of the jobs recovered. Hmm. Now, what I like to point out is an awful lot of those, to your point, that are not coming back probably ever is gonna be in retail because people learn to buy online and that's not going to change. It's convenient. <laughs> right. I, I, I agree with that. I do think that we will see employment tick higher as the economy and states continue to open up. I don't think we'll get back to where we were to your point, though. I think it's going to lo- take a long time. We've got two things going against it. A couple of things, actually. One of them is 
the shift in retail. Everybody mm-hmm. moving, we were forced to move online. And once that behavior gets shifted there, you're comfortable with it, it becomes more the norm, may just stay that way. I think it's going to stay that way for a long time. And also a lot of small retailers went out of business and they're not coming back. Yeah. Right, Longer, Small retailers, small restaurants, they went out of business that couldn't survive all of these lockdowns and they're just not coming back. So the jobs aren't coming back. The other thing uh, is the lockdowns forced a lot of automation. So we saw automation mm-hmm. in the corporate sector, right? Because people couldn't work in the office together. So you had to shift to more corporate auto- automation. We also see industrial automation where shops, floors, manufacturing, they couldn't bring everyone back in once they were able to open up again. So they had to shift to more automation as, you know, keeping people safe, keeping Mm -hmm. people apart. You had to have as good, if not better productivity with a lot fewer people. That means those jobs aren't coming back as well. Now, that doesn't mean that they won't be replaced with jobs to manage all that automation, but it's a bit like the horse and buggy to the car, right? They're just going to be very different jobs. So I, I have one word for that and you can feel free to counter. Ready? Mm-hmm. Robots. Yeah. More robots. More robots. Otherwise, otherwise known or the iRobot, otherwise known as the cat carrier. Yeah, I had an iRobot and I had a puppy and you can imagine what happened there. <laughs> that doesn't go real well. Yeah, though, no. I think anyway. Another thing we can look at though, when they came out just last week, when we're looking at the markets is Mm -hmm. just how heavily invested people are in the markets. So last week had a really interesting report. It's the flow of funds from the federal reserve. And there was two big takeaways out of that thing for me. One was that the total debt in the U S economy is growing at the fastest pace we've seen since the fourth quarter of 2004. That was pre uh, this new stimulus, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Corporate debt is sitting at more than half of GDP. And while that sounds bad, interest payments aren't so tough because interest rates are so low, at least for now, as long as these interest rates stay low. But what was really interesting to me is to see the equity exposure for households. So if we look at now the the fund of flows report, it doesn't look at mutual funds, but if we include all equity investments and then add in the, the mutual funds, uh, exposure in the last qu- quarter of 2020, which is what this report is looking at, is 38% of all financial assets. Now that's just slightly below the all-time high of 38.3. So that means that 38% of everything that households own is already in the equity markets. We're hitting a record high on that. Um, equity exposure as a percent of all financial assets hit a record peak of thir- 27%. So well, Households but, are super exposed to equity markets. That's usually a bit of a contraindicative. I mean, we've never seen where that is in the contraindicative side. That doesn't mean that the markets can't go up more from here, but people are pretty all well, in. Did, did you see the report from Deutsche Bank that found, I, I guess they did a survey and they said that of all the respondents, they looked at, they're going to look to take about a third, roughly $500 out of their stimulus checks. So 500 out of exactly. $1,400 exactly. and plow it into the market. And, and according to the Deutsche Bank math, it says that's going to inject about another 750 billion yeah. into the market. And I, and I was, I saw that and I'm like, Hmm, boy, what does that sound like? Oh yeah. When I used to get my stock tips from my bagel guy, one from my waitress back, you know, yeah. 20 years ago. And I'm not going to say that it's a classic sign of a top, but it sure feels that way. It's very concerning. I mean, it definitely shows that that it's it's not a positive indicator for the future of the markets. But what I would also point out, though, is that you take that this fiscal stimulus 
added into all the pressure that the Fed is under. And we could have, we could see this market really get going even faster because- What is that? When, when you say that, hang on, when you say that, like, what does the that reason, mean? The reason being is we cannot afford as a country to really have stock prices go down a lot because the tax receipts from capital gains were really dependent on that. So we've got this spiral going, right? Where we just borrow more. And the government spends more, the government needs to take in more receipts, and you've got a ton of retirees who need their portfolios to go well. You've got a massive amount of money that the government owes people in the form mm -hmm. of the Social Security, right, all of the Social Security, Medicare, and all that. You cannot have the headwind of a falling economy, which has been evidenced by every time the market gets a little bit nervous over the past decade plus, the Fed steps in. So let's circle back to what you said earlier about those 9.6 million jobs that we're kind of in the hole on right now, and yeah. they're all not coming back. Yeah. If I juxtapose that against what you said a few, you know, like just now, that tells me that um, the government's going to be under pressure to really hike interest rates to, to cover that gap that you just talked about. Except they want to borrow cheap. Mm -hmm. So not really, not going to be hiking rates to fight that. You're, no, no, not, not interest rates. Tax rates. Oh, tax rates. Oh, sorry. I'm not focused on the bonds. Um, yes. No, you're right. Uh, that's why tax I'm rates. Tax rates, definitely. That's And that is a headwind to growth. But mm -hmm. but we're, we haven't really cared so much about actual EPS growth that much lately. It's been more top line growth. EPS hasn't been a thing. Not that I'm saying it doesn't matter. I it agree. Matters. I agree. I agree. But, the, been... but the, the further stretch the market gets, the more important valuation becomes. It's always, I agree. It's always, it's I agree. So that that's, that's this game. That's this tenuous yeah. game going forward. And I'm just saying, we could still see this market as crazy it is, as it is, as toppy as it is, it could get crazier and it could get toppier. Yeah, yeah. so before when we were chatting, you said you wanted to compare all of this to the roaring 20s. So my, yeah. my, my response to like, yeah, see, yeah, yeah, go ahead, do it, do it, do it now, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we hear talk about, hey, all of this, we went through this, this horrid pandemic and we saw that back. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're talking the 20s, where's your flapper hat? Yeah, oh, sorry. I'll do that next time. <laughs> so if you hear people talking about the post-Spanish flu roaring 20s, except for back then, the cyclically adjusted PE ratio, which kind of gets out short-term little crazy bumps and spikes, it was only five times earnings versus today it's 35 times. And for, to put that into perspective, last year it was only 25 times. So five times versus 35 times, things are a lot more expensive today. Back then, if you can even wrap your head around this, government debt to GDP was 10%. And if you do an all add in right now, it's about 120%. Household tax expectations today are at a seven year high, to your point, that the likelihood of raising rates, not just on the households, but on the corporate sector, pretty high given how much government spending is. We are seeing insecurity over retirement incomes has continued to rise over the past four months. And that's with aging demographics. Back then, we saw people rapidly coming into the urban centers. That we've seen that happen in emerging markets, where as people move from the rural into the urban, you have productivity really booming. Productivity boom back then saw consumer prices declining at an average yearly pace of over 1.5%. Back then, the yield on the 10-year went from 5% to 3.5%. Yeah, get that. Inflation fell during a booming stock market. It really can happen. And remember though, 
the end of the day, after those roaring 20s, when the stock bubble finally burst, the low on the Dow in 1932 was 40% lower where it was at the start of 1920. That's pretty uplifting, I have to say. <laughs> so well, how about next week? Let's look at the future. Well, well hang on, hang on, hang on. The, the, the one thing I would point out about the 20s that you, you kind of skipped over is it was an unbelievable time of, of at the time, technological innovation. Yeah, that's a productivity. That was a productivity, er, er, that was a productivity boom. Automobiles, telephones, mm -hmm. film, radio, electrical appliances. And in, in that the, respect, in the, in the millions. And in that respect, we could see that now. We are starting to see that all the technology gains that we had in the 2000s and in the teens, we weren't really seeing the boost in productivity we expected. And it looks like the pandemic really kickstarted what. I think we're going to see a productivity boom in the next 10, 15, 20 years. So, so that'll be a good thing. That'll be deflationary. So in my, my best um, initial, as it says here, moving pictures yes. with sound, I understand you want to talk about what's going to happen next week. Let's turn to that, shall we? You have lost your marbles. <laughs> so Never Monday, had them. Never had them. Productivity. Monday, we're going to see the New York Empire State Manufacturing Report. We'll be looking at productivity there. We're also going to get on Tuesday retail sales. So that'll be interesting to see what's going on. We're going to get as we get the, the stimulus, what's going to happen with retail sales. And I'll also be looking to see are those those more durable goods, right? People have been buying couches and refrigerators and fixing up the house because they're spending a lot of time there. Is that going to continue? You know, how many couches, how many refrigerators are you going to buy? Uh, we also on Tuesday get industrial production reports. So again, looking at productivity. And we'll also get the NH, NAHB housing market report. Just one quick thing on retail sales. Uh, Visa was at a investor conference this week, and they said that in January, they saw a big um, rise in the use of debit cards, and their overall transactions were higher because of the stimulus that we got in December. But they were saying that their, their business in February actually fell month over month because people already spent that $600 that they had. I wouldn't be surprised if we see retail sales uh, dip down on a month over month basis. So just be prepared for that. And that uh, brings up a good point. Like as you look at this data, when you think about what's going on in the world these days, you really want to take multiple months and average across them because we are getting these weird little spikes, like, you know, checks show up in the mail one month and that's going to create a little bit of spike that doesn't really tell you long-term what's happening. Uh, we're also going to get building permits and housing starts for that super hot housing market and how long that's mm -hmm. going to keep going on. And on Thursday, again, back to productivity with the Philadelphia Fed manufacturing port. And of course, the always fascinating weekly jobless claims, which it just kills me. We look at jobless claims every week and it's woohoo, except jobless claims, initial jobless claims continue week after week after week to be higher than they have ever been pre-pandemic, the highest jobless claims number we've ever seen ever in history was 695,000. That was in 1982. We have been seeing numbers above 700 since this whole nightmare started. So when you hear people talking about, oh, they're, they're getting so good. Mm -mm. Yeah. I mean, they are you, relative. You got, you got, you got, you got to get your pandemic glasses on. Uh, yeah. True. True. I just want to take them off. <laughs> so so that's the economic data um when we look at earnings next week it, it's actually a kind of a slow week next week there, there's you know maybe a, a little more than a handful of companies to really focus on in our opinion yeah thank god um so we've got accenture reporting you know we wanted to uh, see what they're seeing in terms of their uh, cybersecurity business same thing goes for crowdstrike remember that um so far we've had three high profile attacks 
um, you know, the first being solar winds and then Microsoft that was announced very recently regarding uh, their email or their outlook. Uh, and then there was another one, the name eludes me, but it was essentially an online cloud camera uh, business. And it was uh, companies like Tesla and uh, a few others were violated. So it's gonna be very interesting to hear what they have to say about it. Remember, we continue to think that as we can, as we become increasingly connected and 5G technology is gonna do that, the dark underbelly of all that connectivity is the increasing need for cybersecurity. So we, we are more, bullish on The more on that's it. connected, the more you gotta protect. <laughs> Correct. And that's, that's probably why we have an index for each one of those, something like that. Oh, a little bit, yeah. yeah We're also going like to be that. hearing from FedEx. It's going to talk, that'll be interesting with more of this, you know, how are we continuing our buying habits? I, I, I think so. Um, the other one that I'm kind of looking forward to hearing about, and this is kind of a sleepy little thing, but it's a company called Cintas, C-T-A-S. They're a uniform company. And to me, as, the com as restrictions and states fall and businesses start to open, they're going to need more uniform. So I'm right. really kind of curious to what Cintas has to say on their outlook. To me, that's of, of all the ones that we're going to hear from. And there's Lennar and there's Darden. And I know one of your favorites, William, William Sonoma as well. But to me, if I had to single it down to one report to watch as a bead for the economy, mm -hmm. it's going to be Cintas. That's a good point. I think with that, perhaps we have a wrap. I guess that means, and that's the week ahead. <laughs>